meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Shortcoat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Shortcoat Podcast. I'm Dave Etler. As we record this, it's International Podcasting Day. Happy International Podcasting Day! Yay! Here's why I'm happy to celebrate. Uh, doing this show has done a couple of things for me personally. First of all, it changed my it changed my job. Okay. Well, I used to do my job for a paycheck. And I felt, honestly, it sounds like I'm making a joke, but I'm not. <laughs> I still do, but I, I just like do, it more. <laughs> yeah, I still do that. But I felt disconnected from the people I serve. Students like Elaine Sanduk. Hello. Like Doug Russo. Hello. Like John Pienta. Yo. Like Tony Rosenberg. Hey, that's me. And I really, I, I sincere, I'm sincere about this. I understand you guys a lot better than I used to uh, six years ago. I have opportunities to see what it's like being a medical student. I'm more connected with what your future holds. I'm more connected with what's happening in the world of medicine. I am no longer a clerk at the College of Medicine. I am invested, and that, to me, has been the best benefit of this. So I am grateful for podcasts, and I'm grateful for, and I'm happy to celebrate International Podcasting Day. Plus, plus, I get to have an inordinate amount of fun doing this. Nice. So we do, too. If you've been thinking about doing a podcast, today is the day to start. Get out there and make it happen. I hope, listeners, that you uh, get the same things out of this as I do, or maybe other things. If you get other things out of this, let me know. If you have found out that you no longer want to be a medical student, that would be interesting <laughs> to hear about. It's too late. D- D- Dave scared them off. <laughs> I- I'm not doing the scaring. Yeah, it's probably me. Yeah. Every all that talk about meth. Oh, I, I preempted you this time. <laughs> what are you talking about, Dave? I don't know. What about you guys? What do you what do you think? What do you think this is good for? Make something up. I don't need to make anything up. I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time, actually. So when I'm driving, sleeping, running, sleeping, all I do, sleep, <laughs> sleep driving. I, I let pod. I let Dave's <laughs> voice sleep, caress me to sleep <laughs> many nights. I'm not just a contributor. That is that's occasionally a really freaky idea. Listening. It's true. Just let you know. There's a really nice podcast where a gentleman will read nonsense, but has like the most soothing voice to help put you to sleep. Yeah, uh, I think it's called Sleep With Me, the Sleep With Me podcast or something like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I get it. And uh, yeah, do you, Doug? (laughs) (laughs) Doug's quick. It's very clever. Um, Yeah, uh, our own Amy Ahern in the um, uh, admissions office uh, is a listener. See, I tried to listen to that a couple times, and it kept me awake. I was like, what crazy stuff is this guy going to say? Yeah, I don't know if it would work for me. I haven't tried it, but... It's like, it's complete gibberish. He slips in, like, into and out of Spanish a lot of times. And you're like, what is he saying? And then you just... I play closer attention, and it keeps me up. So it didn't really work well for me. Okay. Um, What else? Anything else you guys get out of podcasting you want to talk about? Does this help you put anything at all into perspective? Or is it just a fun thing for you to do? Or... uh, have you just gotten tired of hearing me pester you about being on podcast and decided to? I don't know. I think for me, it's nice because I like to goof around a lot. I like to say ridiculous things. I've um, noticed. And now people can hear me say ridiculous things. <laughs> so um, so this appeals better. to your inner attention whore. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and it's like, I think that med school can have the ability to slowly kill creative parts of you if you allow it to. Yeah. So like, this is really great for me to come on here and just kind of talk with a bunch of cool people, be creative in my own twisted and bizarre way. Good. So, yeah. I totally agree. I think this podcast is a really good opportunity for med students to connect with other med students in a way that doesn't involve studying or going over study notes. And you're right, like this process just doesn't allow for you to continue developing the part of your brain that's devoted to stuff other than med school. And so it atrophies over time and then you can come here and kind of build it back up. Yep. That's what Dave's that's for. What I, that's what I was hoping you would say. Well done. I'm glad I coached you before the show. <laughs> oh, come on, Dave. Thanks for the money, Dave. <laughs> uh, Doug... You and Rob met a very special uh, person yesterday. I was shocked to see. Who did you Who did you meet? Um, his name is Sean Aston, I think, in real life, but you might know him better as Rudy or Samwise Gamgee, true hero of the Fellowship of the Lord of the Rings. Nice, nice. Yeah. He's a pretty nice guy. I I, I found this out uh, because I saw a picture on on Facebook of you and and Rob together yeah so what happened is uh iowa i guess started early voting yesterday yeah. and he's uh out and about campaigning for hillary clinton and i was just hanging around and all of a sudden my friends are like yo there's a hobbit at java house so, <laughs> so i do what one normally does when they find out there's a hobbit at java house and i get on my bike and i run to java house which is our local kind of coffee shop here in iowa city and, not uh, a sponsor. Yeah, not a sponsor. They, if they want, they to. could be. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, only I would reach out to them. I'm sure they would be. Uh, so anyway, so first I grabbed some coffee and studied for a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you got to do. And then the crowd started getting bigger and bigger. And uh, so Samwise Gamgee shows up and he gives a little little pep talk. Um, that was kind of you know generic, but anyway, uh, afterwards. I had the chance uh, to go and talk to him for a couple minutes because the crowd dispersed, and mm -hmm. he was a pretty nice guy. Clearly cares a lot. I think he might have a political future himself. Mr. Frodo, yeah, you should vote for Hillary. Uh, so Rob, I mean, he does end up being the mayor in Lord of the Rings. So yeah, does he? Yeah, yeah. he does. Oh, mm -hmm. see, he's already I, political. I know a lot about these movies. <laughs> oh yeah, you did. we just figured that out. Yeah, <laughs> Tony has. A Lord of the Rings board game that takes about eight hours to play. Yeah, it's called War of the Ring. It's not in print anymore. It cost me like $150 and it takes like five hours to play. <laughs> the instruction manual is 40, good thing for those. 46 pages. It's a good thing about those student loans. It's phenomenal. It's is great. It? I got it before school started okay. last fall. Right. When I had more time. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we just talked to him for a couple minutes and he was super nice. Just asked him about like the most obscure movie I could find on his IMDb page, and that made him laugh. <laughs> and, and like rather than like asking him about like Lord of the Rings or Rudy, and wasn't, uh, he, in the, awesome. wasn't he in the Goonies too? He was, yeah, he, he was, was in the, in the Goonies? Goonies. Yeah, but that's pretty. Who was he in the Goonies? He was like the Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, he was like he was mini <laughs> Samwise Gamgee. I've actually never seen that movie, and I get yelled at a lot. Oh for yeah, it. you gotta see it. He yeah. he he plays himself. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a good way to put it. Wow. Well, uh, good job. I, I um, what did he say when you uh, asked him to be on the show? Uh, he said that he had like three more cities in Iowa to Don't go to. Don't give me that. You didn't that ask day. him at all. What if he? What if? What if you asked him? What if you asked him and he was like, you know what? 
F this Hillary noise. <laughs> yeah. well, I want to be on the Short Code podcast. She's probably got this in the bag. Let's go podcast, <laughs> yeah. y'all. Forget all these like campaign handlers that are following me around everywhere. Yeah. We'll just sneak just away. Just ditch them, yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a lot more cool than anything I did yesterday, so good job there. Hey, uh, you brought a treat with you, did you I not? Did. Let's talk about this. Okay, so like, like we were discussing earlier with the... Uh, you know, me being a listener more so than a contributor most of the time. <laughs> uh, I was listening the other week and Mark uh, was talking about these eye drops and I was just sitting there on my couch or whatever and I was like, I'm going to Google these things because they sound crazy. And I found some crazy review on the internet and like you were saying, there's like some weird subculture of people that just like love these eye drops. Yeah, so this is Mark Mark Mubarak yeah. uh, was talking about these mm-hmm. weeks ago and apparently they you you... You do what you do with eye drops. You put mm-hmm. them in your eyes, and then they, they, perform some sort of miracle on your eyeballs, where they're incredibly cooled and refreshed. Yeah. And, and I don't think they do any. From what I've read on the internet, they don't do much for redness, but it doesn't matter because your eyes are like tripping. Yeah. So I'm excited that we get to try these. Uh, this I got these off the internet. You I know. think it's important to put things that you get off the internet into your eyeballs. <laughs> right. Is this like what all the Hikaiko Mori <laughs> in Japan are using? What's that? The heck, Heiko Mori, they're like, it's like there's a ton of people, like hundreds of thousands of young Japanese men that just never leave their apartments and they uh, order yeah, like heard about everything that. to yeah. their apartments. Yeah. So I'm just picturing like, like all these guys are like, man, I'm so tired of looking at my computer all day. I need these eye drops. And then it's like the best thing ever. That they're sounds refreshed. like life in the Adler household where <laughs> the Amazon delivery truck comes by every few days. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ding dong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So all right, these, so break those break those things out. Okay, uh, so we're gonna put them we're gonna put them in our eyes all at once. Mm-hmm. Tony looks skeptical. I'm very skeptical. <laughs> Should we tell them now that it contains hydrochloric acid? <laughs> you, oh, I don't actually know oh, that it does. It does. But so I saw a lot of talk about this on the internet, and that's just that's sad. Really, what it is. So, like basically every medication, and especially eye drops, says contain may contain hydrochloric acid and or <laughs> and or potassium hydroxide i mean they say hcl you know whatever. yeah contains hcl or something yeah and so they use that to change the ph i mean it's all about the concentration yeah if they left it out i would be more concerned if there was lactose in them than hydrochloric acid actually so you should be good but <laughs> you think there is lactose in it i don't know could you have a lactose? never know but if you're lactose intolerant i don't think that would affect your eyeballs what if my eyes just started like Pouring milk out of them or something. Tony, your eyeballs are an immune privilege site. You should know that by now. Is, is the what if you started having diarrhea out your eyes? Is the outside <laughs> of your eyeballs? <laughs> I don't know. Guys, guys, know. guys, eyeball diarrhea is a real thing. I would just like to ask, point out, Dave, just, just that ask. I somehow got poop to be talked about in this episode. <laughs> you sure did. Again. Bravo. I'm, I'm masterful <laughs> at this you, point. How did you do it? I don't know. And I didn't even say it. I, I didn't know. even have to say meth either. No. Dave brought it up. Wow. We're, we're. Our influence has spread. <laughs> so, speaking of Eye of Sauron. <laughs> right. So, uh, the the box is in Japanese, yeah. so I can't tell you a lot about them. Uh, or really anything. <laughs> yeah, there's 0.5% of something in here. And uh, I see this scale here that goes from 0 to 8, and it's got a 5 highlighted, so I think these are kind of like medium strength. All right, I'm feeling that. On the Roto scale, because I've heard of them getting pretty wild. <laughs> So anyway, I'm just gonna open these up. So these may or may not even be the most intense ones. So these ones, yeah. 
Should I click on the link here that says Roto Eye Drops Recall? No. Um, that hmm. seems unnecessary at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too late for that, Dave. Yeah. Oh, no. How are we going to get them in these eyedroppers? Here's the instruction booklet if you want to, you know. <laughs> I did not. Where did you get the droppers? Uh, from the from the CVS. Okay. Oh. Okay. I trust you. All right. Here, just yesterday. It'll just I, be easier. I'll let you do it. They went straight from the package into that cup. You just you could just keep the tip touched to the tip of the bottle and then just continue. Just to see if it feels good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I was I think thinking. That's like four doses right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yours. That was the yes, plan. Thank you. you. I got it. Keep. Okay. I don't. I don't think I want to do this. You, you don't should. have to do this. No, I'm not into it. Peer pressure. Good. If you want to be a chicken. You want Wait, to afterwards. listen. I don't even know. It's not if about you want to be chicken. If you want to be all ah. sensible. <laughs> Doug, I wasted a drop. I need another drop in there. <laughs> I need another drop. <laughs> Are you going to hand us the day then? Yeah. And not. Oh wait, wait. You don't want yeah, to get yeah. away from me. You got you got to give me some more drops. Uh, no. right, come here. I'll feed you baby bird. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like this. This is this is going yes, to yes. this is going to places most podcasts can't touch. <laughs> So the thing that I'll, really, I'll just hold it on there. It, it'll be fine. One of the things that I'm honestly like really attracted me to trying this was that people referred to it on the internet as doing eye drops instead of <laughs> using eye drops. Yeah, so, I can't wait to do these eye drops know. with you guys. There's there's nothing guaranteed to attract my attention more than the than the implication that it so, might have something to do with drugs. So I think no, I think one of the keys to using these is. Just one drop each eye back corner. to back before you have a chance to actually feel them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we're we gonna do them now. Yeah. All right. Go. Uh, now usually there's a little stinging at first. I don't think it's too bad myself, but like I did have a friend that screamed it's bloody. <laughs> yeah. Like no, that. it's not that bad. Okay, I'm waiting. I'm not sure you guys got enough. I think you got the no. Most I got I got a good ever. amount. You it's didn't? like it's dripping. I definitely got one in each eye. Yeah, at the very least, <laughs> your eyes look watery. <laughs> wow, this a actually little... feels phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little disappointed. It's not doing jack. <laughs> really? Give me some more of that. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> the package says in Japanese, uh, "Does nothing if you have eyeball AIDS." Does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels you, nice. You can Not just gravity years. drop him if you want, Dave. Oh, yeah, do. Give yourself a solid dose. <laughs> he's going, <laughs> he's going wild. <laughs> you just look over there and he's... Oh, my God. <laughs> he is blasting his <laughs> eyeballs right now. All right. Dave... That was still working. Dave is the kind of... <laughs> I'm so dizzy. Just an F FYI, guys. Dave is the kind of person who's like, if, if you give him a hot pepper and you're like, just take one bite, eat he like pepper. eats the whole thing. You look like you're in some pain, Dave. How's it going over there? It's a little, it's a little, uh... You just put, like, five drops in one eye. It's a little singy at the moment, but I think it's just because there's water in them. It, you know, if like, anything, it's making me feel more I'll, awake. I'll, I'll try some more, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's Can I try some more, let's, too? Let's have another <laughs> round, guys. Don't yeah. bogart the drops, yeah. man. Yeah. Pass that shit. <laughs> it's doing nothing, uh, Is really it, are we doing drop, stuff. drop, pass? <laughs> Apparently, maybe my eyeballs are particularly, uh, they're already cool and smooth and cool. Uh, so when I really... Ooh, there we go, yeah. 
<laughs> so well, you your guys are, eyeballs really well, like them. You guys are yeah. experiencing something yeah. other than the feeling of having water put in your eyes. Yeah, so it burns for like the first 10 seconds. Well, and I then, got that, yeah. And then after that, it's like your eyeballs just feel like they're kind of glassy, like moving around real real easy in your eye sockets. <laughs> Why not just move to Minnesota? <laughs> where it snows. Get a, get where the Arctic breeze constantly yeah. blows into your eyeballs and... Yeah. I just got a heavy dose of eye drops, man. Whoa. <laughs> well, um, I have to say it's for me, I'm a little disappointed. Um, I'm getting like virtually nothing out of this. John's putting more in. It pretty much just stings and then feels moderately good. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. This is, this, yeah. I mean, now I know what it feels like to have a minty eyeball. Really? <laughs> My question, though, is does it feel good because the stinging just stopped? Or does it actually feel good? <laughs> like, are they like, we're going to make your eyeballs sting? And then when it stops, you're going to say, wow, this feels great. What a relief. Yeah. So they do come <laughs> in multiple strengths, now. like I was saying. Yeah. If you want to, you know, I if you already extra. feel the need to. I think I, I think I, your game. I think I would I might have to uh, I'll drop some with you Dave I think <laughs> there's some there's some red and silver variants that are a little bit more extreme than these I ones. mean it doesn't it doesn't feel like nothing you know my, my eyes are noticeably they're, coo cooler they're cool and refreshed more refreshed but it's just not the roller coaster I'm just not sure I would have to I would have to do a little bit more uh, science here I'd have to like put you know mm -hmm. water maybe distilled water. We could add a little more hydrochloric acid to yours. No. <laughs> That's fine. How about you take a shower and keep your eyes open? Yeah. Well, you can get an iPhone 7 like and take a shower with it and then use the eye drops and see how much clearer the screen looks. I think the moral of today's podcast is stay in school and don't use eye drops. Too. Yes. So anyway. Have you guys heard about doing eye shots? No. Um, Apparently, this is a thing on the internet. Mean? What do you mean? Take Are a you, bottle of vodka and oh. do shots into your eye. You know, I had a I had a roommate in college. I remember this. I, this is one of the more clear memories I have in college. My best was buddy, it because of the eye drops. My best buddy Kurt. Yes. <laughs> my best. Buddy, They're working. My best buddy Kurt. We're still great friends. He uh, and I loved. I just loved this. It was totally him. We were in our room with uh, with vodka and maybe grape soda. And he poured him into a shot glass, and he was taken by how what, what a beautiful color it was. So he he tilted his head back and attempted to look up through the bottom of the shot glass, and immediately dumped vodka and grape soda into his eyeball. And uh, it's just been one of those things that stuck with me for for many many years. Um, How'd that turn out, Dave? I, I he did it, it burned. In, in 2050, when one in two Americans have Alzheimer's disease, that will be one memory that you It'll hang on to. It'll be the one Dave. thing I yeah. remember. And you guys, we, we will make a podcast of it, and it's just going to yeah. be Dave telling that story over and over. Be Dave. It's going to be good. But Dave, where are you? So this one time, I remember. <laughs> My bike. Uh, hey, I want to share a quote uh, that was shared with us. This is from an attending. I don't know what service this attending worked on. I, I know nothing about it, but uh, I thought it was worth talking about today. It's very profound. I think everyone should try to know everything. A real quote from a real attending. What do we, <laughs> what do we think about this advice that was given to one of our students? Everyone should try to know everything. I thought that there was more to it. Is it not everything all the time? No, every, <laughs> Just I think every, everyone should try to know everything flat 
blanket statement. Well, that explains why medicine is redundant, right? If one person drops off, someone else can fill in the gap pretty easily. I'm being the optimist here. (laughs) So the goal of medical education is to make sure that if one doctor gets hit by a bus, somebody else can jump right in with all the things that they know. I don't know if the operative word here is try, in which case, I don't know. But uh, I could definitely, as a medical student, I feel like we are often expected to know everything when that's obviously not realistic. And it's also not how it happens in, you know, real life. Once you get to the point where you're practicing attending physician you know you're kind of working within your specialty and stuff and that's when you forget a lot of things yeah like (laughs) you get really good at one small subset of medicine but then everything else you're like what's an enzyme Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) just kidding i know no no little bit stay (laughs) there are there are statements along those lines that i've heard some people say which do make me work very hard not to laugh at the person who said it I'm kind of torn with what I think about this because on the one hand, I think it does say try. If it said everyone should know everything, then I would just flat out disagree. Yeah, that that would be hard. The try, maybe I could see where that person is going. But at the same time, I think that if you're trying to know everything, you're setting yourself up for failure pretty much. Mm. So it depends. So as long as you're good at failure... As long as you're good at trying. As long as you're... Let me try that again. Wait. Yes. I think, Ali, as long as you're good at trying and failing and not feeling bad about that, then... Yeah. No, I, I think that's important. You know, failing failing needs to be a part of education. And that that is a, a real problem, actually, with our medical education system, is that, you know, if you get something wrong and you get, like, har- basically harassed because... And especially publicly harassed because you don't know it... Um, that doesn't help anyone really at all. And it, it, it's actually quite useful to know how to figure out when you don't know something or how to figure out that you have a gap in your knowledge. It's arguably one of the most important things is you can say, hey, I'm not sure I know that. Or here's my thought on it, but I don't have any data to back that up, right? Or whatever, etc. Well, I think too, that's like when being a good teacher would come into play because some people would respond really well to that pressure. Like mm-hmm. some people are like, I never want to feel that type of embarrassment. I want to make sure that I'm prepared. And if they feel that one time, it's going to make them try even harder. Whereas other people might be like, screw that guy. Like I'm going to kind of retreat into myself and not put in the amount of work because I'm embarrassed and that guy's a jerk and I just don't care anymore. So I think it just depends on the individual. I, I'm going to question whether or not it really has that much value to just wrote memorize and know everything like before when we were talking like I mentioned you know I keep this computer in my pocket all the time that connects me to the entire knowledge base of humanity so like when it comes to facts it's not that important to memorize everything I don't feel but what's really important is like how you integrate new information and how your decision-making process evolves from your education and I feel like being able to think on the fly and apply knowledge is a lot more important than maybe memorizing every last, you know. It was interesting because I was talking to one of my friends who's, he's like 40, he's a PhD, um, and I was talking to him about like my problem with med school sometimes is that it's just a lot of memorizing. And I, like you said, Doug, it's like, I have this thing in my pocket or I have a computer and I can look up this information 
granted, I have always thought from the beginning it's important to have like a baseline knowledge. Sure, that you carry I'm not with saying you don't need to like yeah, I'm be not able to respond that. in an emergency. But I think what he said that I agree with and thought was interesting was that we are basically training our minds how to think. At this point, it's not necessarily about like knowing and remembering every last piece of information, but it's almost like if you're a football player and you do like bench presses and squats and all that stuff, that's not a football skill, but you're training your body so that when you go out there to play football, you're actually able to perform better. So it's like we're exercising our minds so that we're Mm -hmm. actually out there trying to integrate things we're able to a little bit more fluidly. I like to imagine that this quote is a direct response to somebody getting something wrong after being pimped. Probably. like, (laughs) Like, esoteric question. I don't know. I think everyone should try to know everything. <laughs> that probably was what it was. <laughs> no, no. I think it was actually even a step further than that. Somebody defiantly said they had the courage to stand up to the to this, you know, harassment basically and said, how am I supposed to know that? And then then right. the attending said, oh, everyone should know everything. Well, especially knowing what I'm thinking, we we don't know the circumstances. But we, the, the quote was has no, had had no context, um, just that it came from an attending. So maybe if the student had those eye drops, a, they'd be able to see clearly. Exactly. <laughs> or right. thought well, more clearly from the icy yes. coolness on their yeah. eyeballs. Well said, Tony. Thank well you. Well said. Thank you, Dave. Hey, uh, everybody's favorite farmer, bro back in the news finally thank Uh, god yeah i know it's been a while (laughs) yeah no one no one there's nothing like a narcissist who doesn't get attention a narcissist with a pr consultant mark martin shkreli is in fact back and he wants you to punch him in the face but for a good cause yes uh he is auctioning off this right to either punch or slap him in the puss as a fundraiser for the family (laughs) of his friend and pr consultant who died recently leaving behind a young son, himself a, a leukemia survivor. Uh, the auction winner can either use this right to punch or slap him in the face or give it to another person. And and he's said that he will match donations, quote, up to a point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's wise for him to have, <clears throat> you know, sort of put in that disclaimer. Up to a point. <laughs> um, he believes that his friend would be proud of him for uh, this fundraising stunt, saying, Mike architected my publicity stunts, and I bet he is watching, smiling. I mean, we got to hand it to him. He's a fantastic entrepreneur, capitalizing on, like, a very real, very visceral hatred of his face to do a good thing for someone who needs the money. Yeah. 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 It says here he got a high bid of $78,000. I don't know that he did. Uh, It's a little... So I went and looked at the fundraising site itself, Sadly, so far, there are only, there is only $11,700 pledged, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not certain that this is the same, that that fundraiser is the same as this fundraiser auction. It doesn't seem like they are. Um, so anyway, bid, bid it up. And if you want to give the right to the Shortcode podcast, <laughs> I'm sure we could, you know. That would be wasted. I mean, I, you really you really need to give the right to like... Mike Tyson, right. or and it does say DMX. here you are allowed to use a surrogate puncher. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. if he bid himself and punched himself in the face? I could think of no better outcome. I think that that should probably be what he does. If I was in charge of his, uh, yeah, uh, as I, long as he gave yeah. himself the money and then gave it to his 
That sounds like that's his what he's going to do. Yeah, then he's going to match his own donation, mm-hmm. quote, unquote. This may be the most humanitarian thing that he has ever done. So appreciate that, yeah. Martin. Great. Hopefully the last, this is the last thing we ever hear about him. One, one thing, uh, he his <laughs> Twitter feed, pretty much the only way anybody communicates with Martin Shkreli and, and doesn't actively hate him. He's expressing um, surprise that more people aren't interested in punching him in the face. But that, that may just I, mean that most people are just like, you know, kind I, human beings I think who don't just, necessarily want to go around punching people in the face. They're just tired of hearing him. Like, I, this is, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, he just wants attention. Should we call a moratorium on Martin Shkreli here on the podcast? I, this is, I always think about this when he pops up. Do you think he would have more success if he changed it from a punch in the face to like tasing him? Uh, or like a oh, golden shower? Oh yeah, shower. something that has like an... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. What did you? <laughs> that no, that's a subject. weird left turn. Uh, well, you know, it's a form of humiliation that he is auctioning off, and so why wouldn't someone be interested in like? Did you hear what I said? No. A golden shower. Oh wow! Oh, hmm. exactly. Wow. That's mm-hmm. why I, I said what? Oh, you yeah. got to repeat that. Oh, <laughs> this podcast is evolving quickly. Well, it's good. Know. You're Tony, welcome. Tony and John are involved. This yeah. is what happens when you do eye drops, guys. <laughs> they're, they're, they're headers. This is what happens when you drop, bro. <laughs> Have you guys heard about um, Kratom? No. No, I haven't, Dave. Can no. you please tell me what that is? Is that how you pronounce Kratom? Kratom? Is it Kratom? Kratom? Kratom. How is it? What is it? All of the above. K-R-A-T-O-M. Is it like Kratom? Kratom. Kratom. What it language is, a, is it? It is, in fact, Crouton. Uh, Aline. I'm glad you asked. They're, they're just croutons, guys. The <laughs> That's how the French pronounce crouton. The DEA Kratom. is going to ban croutons. You heard it here first. Kratom is a plant native to Southeast Asia. And I guess so. I guess it could go in your salad, uh, and it could be a replacement for opioids. Uh, in fact, there have been some studies that show that it, you know, it might be a useful replacement for opioids, or at least a, a new tool in the arsenal. And also potentially a um, the substance that you get out of kratom uh, might be used for a step down treatment for opioid addiction and things like that. However. The DEA, ever the party pooper, stepped in and has temporarily put it on the Schedule 1 list of dangerous substances that have no valid medical use. Temporarily, I'm not really sure how... I don't know that anything ever comes off the temporary list. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just confused because opioids are hardly used and so well controlled. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, that's yeah, so true. Like, it's not at all a problem, so I don't see why this is even an yeah, issue. It's, the, the thing that really blows my mind about this is that the DEA has a... And also, you know, the, the federal government in general when it comes to making reg- regulations like this. You have really put the cart before the horse. Because you have to prove that it has medicinal value with apparently you know scientific literature uh which means you need a drug study and drug companies are who fund drug studies so a drug company is not going to want to fund a study on a plant this is what public money should be used for because anyone can grow the plant so you know bristol myers squibb will make nothing off of that or merck or whoever do you think that we could make kratom eye drops Oh, I think we could. We should do it. Uh, well, the DA cites 
more than 600 poison control center calls about Kratom between 2010 and 2015. Doesn't sound like that high a number. Uh, and 15 known deaths linked to Kratom between 2014 and 2016, although they acknowledge that 14 of those were associated with people taking multiple drugs, so hard to separate <laughs> out. And, the... and, oh, by the way, that was worldwide. Yeah, oh, was it worldwide? Worldwide. And, uh, you know, it, yeah. 51 U.S. representatives have asked the DEA to reconsider, since it means that we can't study it now. Uh, we can't. Really we can't ignorant. use federal dollars to study it now. Okay. You'd have to study it on your own. So this was a. This was one of the tactics they used um, long ago, actually, during the, you know, Al Capone days, to try to make machine guns illegal. You had to buy a stamp, like a a machine gun permit, to possess a machine gun legally. However, you had to present the machine gun. To buy the stamp. Which meant you had to illegally possess the machine gun. So it was sort of like, you know, yeah, there's... compelling you to commit a crime well, in order to get approval. And they actually still do. If you if you're a drug you know a drug dealer or or a drug um, trafficker, you can get charged with tax stamp violation. Sure. Um, which is one of the ways that they make it like very super federally illegal to possess large quantities of of uh, Schedule One substances. Is they charge you with a tax stamp violation, but I don't I don't understand how that still stands because you have to possess them to get the tax stamp. Yeah, why bother? Or you have to like <laughs> haven't you them. already caught them with drugs? <laughs> right, and <laughs> there's just another way to be like, well, hey. yeah, yeah, but you gotta do your part for society, Dave. You know, it's gonna be... <laughs> Drug dealer or not, right? Pay taxes. Yeah, hear that, Donald Trump? Uh, well, it seems like this could be a really cool, useful substance from what i've read also it might work for alcohol abuse to uh as a step down therapy I, as well I, because it blocks the effects of alcohol i i highly recommend it you know just <laughs> snort it mix it in with your mouth john you know <laughs> mix it in with your mouth meth oh Dave. oh god um no 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 i'm th there are some really interesting uh therapies that i think really aren't aren't getting a whole lot of exploration there's a there's a either because they're illegal or because be, because of UK, scheduling or, yeah. or because yeah there's so, no profit in it for drug companies anyway but well both but one becomes the problem for the other right so there's a this compound called ibogaine i was just i just watched a documentary about that the other day and it's, what's the name of the documentary uh it was on that tv show vice on hbo oh, okay yeah mm -hmm. so this drug it doesn't sound like a pleasant experience like you basically like get sick and vomit and hallucinate for like a day or two and it's just sort of like a fever dream but it has about a 30% success rate in getting people to quit uh, heroin hmm. so <clears throat> with a single usage I was hoping it was gonna be like a more powerful form of Rogaine no <laughs> but uh, no you're right I, I watched... if, if it is guys we should use it on air I'm, I'm... on, me. on I, me and see I need it too see if I regrow any hair speaking of interesting therapy the other day I saw this uh, video this guy is a professional cuddler wait a minute what you don't have Facebook I don't have Facebook but someone sent me a uh link to Facebook you can still watch things on Facebook Dave <laughs> Yeesh! Sorry, call You've me out him, on the caught air. Caught him red-handed. Wow! 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 Yeah, really? Wow! Anyway, nice. this guy charges eighty dollars <laughs> an hour to cuddle strangers oh, in his apartment, yeah. 
and he uses like a, a Thai massage mat and he like triple distills his water and has an essential oil diffuser and he just like cuddles these people. What a world we Eye live drops. in today. I know. I'm trying to decide if that would be it was know, like if I ever get tired idea. of if podcasting stops being as beneficial to me as it is now and I you know I just get back to the point where I'm just a cog in a wheel and maybe it's time for me to move on uh, from you know administering things at colleges maybe I should be a cuddler I've been I was in college I cuddled Listen, <laughs> if, if you can triple distill your water I don't see why not honestly though there were some interesting like, I was known ideas for my hugs. It. I want to know I want you to know that I was known for my hugs in college Bet you were. That was pretty much it. I, honestly, but that, that's what I was known for. <laughs> honestly, though, like listening to this person talk about it, there were some interesting like things that I think could come out of it. And I think that there is like a lot of power to like physical touch, like mm -hmm. the release of oxytocin, like making someone yeah. feel cared for, like they're special, important, being focused on. Like, I don't know. I think that there are crazier things that people do to try and feel accepted or alive or whatever. Um, Actually, I really agree with that. That's a good point. So, I like, don't know. clearly, there's a market for it if right. this guy is able to run a functioning business mm -hmm. and profit from it. Yeah, and he was saying, you know, sometimes they'll talk about like the elephant in the room and why they're wanting to come to like a professional cuddler and like, you know, that might be that their mom never really hugged them when they were growing up or they didn't feel loved or they have a hard time connecting with other people and mm -hmm. um, they might be on like the autism spectrum and don't really get a lot of physical touch. Um, there's, I don't know. It was an interesting... And there's an no interesting sexy student. time involved. There's, there's no, no sexy time involved. That's not what it's about. It's not at all what it's about. No. Mm -mm. Right? No. Pro probably. <laughs> probably. There's no happy endings in the cuddling business. No. <laughs> Only sad endings. Can, can I circle back around real quick? <laughs> Another type of happy ending. Of or, course, Doug. Okay. So you were talking about the Ibogaine. And, uh, you know, as you may have known, if you're a, you know, frequent listener, we've had a opioid summit at the Carver College of Medicine. Yeah, just finishing up today, right? Yeah, this week. Yeah, and it, it, first of all, it's been really great. So shout out to Cam and Sarah and everyone that's helped to put it on. But uh, uh, just yesterday, we had a psychiatrist from the VA come and talk about addiction treatment. Mm -hmm. And uh, afterwards, I asked him about Ibogaine because I had like seen this documentary on it. And it was just interesting to me because he, like, he was like, I've heard of it. I know nothing about it. And so... That just kind of goes to show you how, like, just that, like, moratorium on, like, research in drugs that, I guess it's used in Mexico pretty frequently. Um, Mexico. Yeah, we were talking about that. Mm. As all things are allowed. Mexico. But, uh, Speaking of Mexico. I just thought that was interesting that, uh, you know, like, someone who's pretty much an expert in this field just is not at all familiar with this yeah. supposed treatment. It seems like healthcare doesn't afford providers the opportunity to inform themselves on things until they've reached the point of being almost commercially available. Like they just don't have the time and the space to investigate these other potential treatments because their workload is so heavy. I think, yeah, yeah I think that's true. And, and the only way that they get, that a lot of people get information, a lot of doctors get information is from drug companies themselves who have yeah. the budgets and the... I think doctors the, the, should be forced know, the, to try all of the medications before they prescribe it to someone. Well, that would make for a very complicated <laughs> year in any given person's career. I kid, I kid. I kid. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I think that could be very amusing. I'm going to take this beta blocker and this beta agonist. And this evil game. <laughs> oh, I think there should be one reference person 
Yes. Who does agreed take all of these? Drugs. And they're like they're like the universal master of that <laughs> drug. Oh no Actually, no no! I mean one I, person <laughs> should take. All oh, of all of them. Oh, yeah. okay. Like, like the here, giver. Kind what would of. be the characteristics yeah. of Here's, this master? So here is Steve. Let's just call them Steve. It could be a he or a she. Uh, Stevina. Equal, equal. No, equal opportunity, Steve. Um, and uh, Steve takes all the drugs. Every drug that's ever. Is Steve a doctor? Well, I don't know. We, I think we should Steve have should a, be a, doctor. a sort of national conversation. <laughs> Maybe like about a retired who doctor. Steve needs Steve to be. Has an iron liver and kidneys. <laughs> no, no. Steve, get... <laughs> Steve could be the most vulnerable person. Is Steve a brain like in the, the vat? Like the canary in the coal mine. Oh. Um, so he has a terribly functioning liver and poor kidneys. Poor Steve. Yeah. I was yeah. picturing him as the pic. I was looking well, listen, at him as the I mean, picture of health, and listen, you're just like, listen, Dave. We give drugs to sick people to make them better. Okay, so that's why we picked Steve. Oh, that makes sense. That's done. Hmm. I would love to d delve into this idea <laughs> further, but science. I'd love to delve into this idea further, but uh, I don't let's know. let's. This not. is fascinating. Let's yeah. quit while we're ahead. Sorry for starting us down that road, guys. I can't. No, we appreciate it. <laughs> well, as a father, having two parents is difficult enough in life. But now a baby has been born who has three parents after what may be the first use of a new IVF technique. So these two parents lost two kids um, due to a mitochondrial genetic disease, which I can't remember what it was. But I can't remember what it is nah, exactly they're all, either. They're all bad. They're all bad. I think you need mitochondria. Mitochondria yeah. are important. They're pretty lethal. So this is a cool way to isolate the DNA of a growing embryo. Well, so the, the parents had moral problems with another three-parent IVF option. In There's which, more than one. Well, there there is a, there is there there are two, as I understand it. There's one in which two fertilized eggs are destroyed prior to first cell division to create a third viable embryo. Um, so that's one option. Some people find that morally repugnant because you're basically destroying two lives so your baby's essentially to a get, phoenix to get, because like out of the ashes well rises that's one way to baby that is one way to look that's at totally it one way uh but this technique is different it's called spindle nuclear transfer the nucleus is removed from the mother's egg prior to fertilization hmm. uh, leaving behind the mitochondria that suck and they are inserted into a donor egg with cool mitochondria but which has been stripped of its nucleus and then it's fertilized by the father sperm. None, uh, so, and, and apparently this works. Uh, baby has been born, uh, is at least three months old at this point. I guess it's important to say that none of these claims have been verified. And uh, the link to Mexico is that it, that's where it took place. That this it. just makes the phrase nuclear family very confusing mm, yes. to me. <laughs> because like, if you're the second mom, do you have the baby say like, I'm your, like, hi, Mito mom, or like, yeah. Hi, nuclear mom. I'd like love, that would be cool. I'd like, love a mito mom. A mito mom? Yeah. But then are they part of your nuclear family? Not really. No. Because it's the, it's the it, mito it's, family. It's nuclear, by the mm -hmm. way. Yes. Thank you. It's nuclear family. Yeah. So it was done in Mexico because there are no legal restrictions against uh, such things in Mexico. You can pretty much do a lot of things that you couldn't do elsewhere, like in uh, the United States, which actually this is the most interesting part to me is that you know, there are things that we can't do in this country that we can do in other countries that may in fact be a good idea, but we're not looking at them because some people believe that they might, you know, 
we, we be ethically problematic. Right. Mm-hmm. We believe in the separation of church and state and let religious lobbyists write our laws. Right. This seems to this particular procedure seems to eliminate many of the moral difficulties people have with other IVF techniques mm-hmm. because it doesn't involve fertilized eggs at all until they would be naturally fertilized anyway. Until the moment they would be naturally people fertilized. People will still anyway. find a problem with it though, because you're technically altering a biological process. I think the artificiality of it, if that's a word. Um, it is a word. It is a word. Cool. Mm-hmm. Fair um, I think that that is going to really trip some people up, that it's still an artificial process when it should, in their mind, be a strictly biological one. I think people don't have a problem with altering natural processes. They just have problems with altering natural processes that lead to a human person. Mm-hmm. Specifically. Because by your logic, which I agree with, then technically we shouldn't cure cancer or we shouldn't do liver transplants, uh, things like that. But for some reason, because this is a particular subset of cells that lead to a child, there's a lot of like emotionality surrounding the Mm -hmm. issue. All of this is reminding me of an episode of Radiolab from a couple weeks back where they talk about this 14 day rule. Have any of you guys ever listened to this episode? No, what's the 14 day rule? So the 14 day rule came out of a council of scientists and laymen and policymakers who got together in like the 70s, kind of in the wake of Roe v. Wade coming out for these people to make a recommendation about how long research involving embryos should go on before you should stop it. Because Roe v. Wade, of course, provoked a lot of feelings about research and just our perspectives on, you know, human research, essentially. And the guy who coined the 14-day rule said that 14 days should be the cutoff because before 14 days, half of all fertilized embryos will die anyhow. And also, at 14 days, that's when you have the transition to an embryo that responds to stimuli. Mm. Whereas before 14 days, they don't respond to stimuli. So this became important recently because there was a lab in New York, I think at Rockefeller, that has successfully grown a human embryo, basically in a Petri dish, further along than any other lab ever. Mm. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. And they got to basically 10 or 11 days and were like, oh, what do we do now? Like, we're, there's so much progress. Like, every day they're like, we should have had a plan. (laughs) (laughs) What? We should have a meeting today, probably. (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't in the IRB. I don't know. Everybody's busy or it's going to be hard. Let's wait till tomorrow. Yeah. But like every day they're rooting for this egg to keep growing. And now they're having to, and probably, I think they already have, but they're having to think about, okay, when we get to 14 days, we have to terminate this experiment but it's so promising, but it may be terminating itself anyhow, because I think at 14 days, that's when the mother starts having a more active role. Mm. You know, here's, here's where I out myself as like a weird person again, you know, yeah, it's becoming that. a regular thing yeah, on, it's the, just part on of the, the podcast. Yeah. I call bullshit. That's, that's, that's my summary statement. I okay. call bullshit. Well, 14 days, it responds to stimuli. Bullshit. I mean, temperature is a stimulus. That that cell isn't going to be viable if it's at you know getting close to absolute zero. I mean, there's just so much <laughs> arbitrary bullshit. Good that, good argument. You know, like to be fair, this is like seventies era science. Well, but so. uh, no people people make all of these arbitrary rules anyway. I mean, they come up with lots of arbitrary rules, and I'm 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 not saying that you shouldn't or you can't. But I'm saying if if you like want to use arbitrary rules, like you, the burden of proof is on you to explain why that is a, why that's necessary, why that's helpful, 
why that's meaningful. Like, for example, I liked the idea of saying, well, half of them would die anyway. Okay, well then, that now I now I can see that why a, you're explaining it. I that's mean, it's a, a little, concrete, like, we know this, or we can verify that without... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, it, it also happens to be a little sort of after the fact, right? The beauty of it, you know, is that people come up with whatever reason that they want to do whatever they want for the most part, right? And and then then they sort of do a lot of justifying. Uh, and so we have a real opportunity, you know, as scientists, as people of science and scientific thinking to actually make a reasoned storied argument for why we believe, you know, people should fund us and people should support our lines of thinking and people should do our experiments, etc. Uh, rather than just sort of saying, well, well, that's the rules, that's the law, that's the way that it was written, that's the way that it's been taught. Um, the, you know, it's an incredible opportunity to ask what is our role in progress. John, would you, fu would you fund someone that said they have produced an embryo that could be grown at absolute zero? I think that would be awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm just making totally sure. We would totally rewrite the laws of physics. So that could be like the arbitrary rule then is like, unless this egg does not respond to stimuli here, then it's not viable. I don't, I don't know what, uh, so, but that's the thing. Like, I don't know what responding to stimuli means, you know? So people it's argue like, we don't, nebulous. we don't, we don't eat, you know, I don't eat animals cause they, they have a pain response. It's like, well, if you cut a head of lettuce in half, there's calcium signaling throughout. You know, it basically has a, a nervous system. It's a very rudimentary nervous system, but it reacts when you cut it in half, right? So, um, you know, if you electrify a plate on part of a Petri dish, bacteria will move away from it. So does that mean you should, like, stop washing your hands after you go to the bathroom? Like, I mean... Done. <laughs> Dave was just looking for the excuse, guys, and I gave it to him. God Run. damn it. I've been killing bacteria by the billions. I'm a bacterial right. rights so, activist. I'm not disgusting. <laughs> and we... Exactly. That's That should be your defense. Yeah. Anyone ever asks you, right. oh, gross, you just didn't wash your hands. And people I'm have preventing, asked. I'm preventing genocide. That's right. Like, if you're drawing the line at saying this or that isn't alive or this or that isn't justifiable to kill like you you gotta you gotta keep going further like you gotta you gotta you gotta really ask yourself and really explain to us especially if you're gonna stop people from making life-saving medical treatments you, you know saying that it's written in a 2000 year old book like it's not a good and a, not a good enough answer well uh, there you go John, you're going to... I predict that John's children... I'm going to close on this. I predict that John's children are going to be fantastic arguers. It's already a problem. I have a two-year-old Dave, and he knows he's a two-year-old. Well, good. Good. Just like that, we're done. Let's get this weekend started. What do you say? Uh, thank Yay. you. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for hanging with us today, listeners. If you like what you hear, go to iTunes, whether you use iTunes or not. Give us a review. Uh, we like reviews. Give us a bad review. I don't care. Give us a review. Drop some roto, guys. Uh, yeah. As always, we're listening all over the place. How'd we do today? 
what can we do for you tomorrow? Let us know at theshortcode.com slash tell us or give us a call at 347 The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College Medicine Student Government and the Writing Engine Management Program. Lewis. Our editor and engineer is Aline Sanduk. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox. Our closing music is by AgriFox. Thank you.